So today, as was said, we are continuing our discussion on Give Us This Day, Our Daily Bread. And we just sang about how we live in the power of Christ. So let's commit this time to Him, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank You for the privilege of being here. For the privilege of living in a country where we can go to a Christian school, where we can work at a Christian school, where we don't have to be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, there is a lot of hopelessness in the world today, and there's only one answer, and that is Jesus himself. Lord, show us Jesus today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, and I would encourage that you do, um, and if you don't have paper with you, maybe you can pull up the notepad on your phone. You'll want to look up the scriptures that I'm going to mention as well. So I trust you can use your phone responsibly. Um, I would like you to turn with me to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17. The book of 1 Kings, chapter 17. And today's message is titled, God's Powerful Provision. God's Powerful Provision. And so today, as I was contemplating what to share with you, I thought of this story that we find in 1 Kings, and it's about a man named Elijah. Now, Elijah did a lot of interesting things and cool things for the Lord, okay? And so he was, he was God's go-to guy for a certain amount of time, and then he would later pass the torch to Elisha. But this is a time... When God said, I need to teach the wicked king Ahab a lesson. And in order to do that, I need to send famine on the earth. And I need to stop the rain. So that's what we're going to see in this first point, this first verse. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand... There shall not be dew, nor rain these years, but according to my word. Can you imagine being trusted with that level of responsibility to where your word said there would be no rain on the land? That's a lot of rain. And then you have a situation where you have God-fearing people, I'm sure, in this land. How are they going to be provided for, specifically Elijah, who just told the king it's not going to rain, and now he's basically sentenced himself to famine. How is, he going, how is this going to work? And maybe you are in a place in your life where you feel like you are in a place of famine, where you feel like things are not going right. Maybe your classes are going bad, maybe things are going bad in your home life. I don't know all your stories. I know some of them. I know God is at work. So this is a pretty impossible situation. There's no way that Elijah or anyone else can create rain. How are they going to deal with it? And sometimes when we look at life and we have our struggles and we have our trials, we say to God, why are you letting this happen? Please take me out of this situation and then I'll glorify you. 
I've been there. As a young boy at five years old, I made the best decision of my life. And I said, God, I give you my life. I want to trust you. I want to serve you for the rest of my life. And I woke up the next day and I still couldn't walk. I woke up the day after that and I still couldn't walk. And I started arguing with God and I started saying, God, why is this happening? I trusted you and I'm still in this crippled body. How in the world are you going to work through me? If you heal me, you, I'll, let you, I'll let you do work through me. But until you heal me, I can't do anything. And I got to the place where I was almost close to wanting to end my life when I was 13 years old. I didn't want to live anymore because I thought that I was useless. Because in my life, nothing was going right. In my life, there was a spiritual famine going on. But the book of Job tells us one way, one important way on how to deal with trials. You see, we often think that when trials come, they come because of something we directly did to cause those trials. And I believe that God does use trials to correct us from sin. And I think it's important that we realize that maybe God is using trials in our lives to correct us from sin. But so many times God isn't doing that. He is simply saying, trust me, I have lessons to teach you. And no one learned this more than Job. As far as I know, in his earthly life, Job never understood or found out why God did what he did. But this is what Job said when God took his kids, all of his possessions, all of his physical health. This is what Job said. First, his wife says this. Then his wife said unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What shall we receive good at the hand of God and not evil? In all this did Job not sin with his lips. Did you just hear that? Shall we receive good from the hand of God and not evil? The verse that we're studying predominantly right now is, Give us this day our daily bread. And I think so often I want to pray, Give me this month my monthly allowance. Give me this year, my yearly allotment. And Jesus is saying, breaking it down simple for us, give us this day our daily bread. We talk about a God who daily loadeth us with blessings. And yes, he calls us to responsible stewardship. And yes, savings is good. And yes, preparation is good. But ultimately, are you breathing air today? Were you able to come to school? Are you able to sit in classes and learn? Are you able to have teachers and support staff that care about you, that want you to make the most of your life? Are you able to proclaim the name of Jesus in the hallways of your school? Then you, my friend, are blessed. So we continue on. As I said, Elijah's got a situation. He still has daily bread to get. And there's a famine in the land. So this next section is how God is going to do it. Now, I love the way God does things because He never does them the way that we think He's going to do them. I think this is another problem that we have with God's will. Is we say, God, I'm looking for your will. 
I want you to do this in my life. But his will often doesn't come in the form that we expect. I was sitting at Camp Aowakaya in uh, on Stony Lake near Muskegon in the summer of 2011, and I was frustrated with my job prospects, frustrated with what God was doing in my life, and I sat down and I talked to Sandy Roloffs. And we started talking. We, we vacationed together every year for several years. We started talking, and she said, well, maybe you should volunteer at the Potter's House at the Potter's House School. And I said, well, maybe I should. I was already considering substitute teaching. I was considering anything, really, to broaden my prospects. And eight years later, here we are today, and I've been working here for three years. And I'll take this opportunity to tell you that last week I was accepted into Cornerstone University to begin work on my teaching degree so that hopefully I can be a full-time high school teacher here someday. But the point is, I was homeschooled my entire life, basically, other than first grade. And they held me back, so that doesn't really count. Um... So I never expected that I would be working in a school, but I love it. It's the best job I've ever had. So we see that God is going to use ravens to refresh Elijah. Second point, God uses ravens to refresh Elijah. Did you know there was a point in the scriptures where he used a donkey? I was just reading this the other day. He, he, Balaam wasn't listening to God. And he sent an angel to kill Balaam because... Balaam was trying to curse Israel. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, and he tried to stop Balaam from going forward because he, he didn't want his, or she didn't want her master to be killed. And he struck his, his mule three times, and finally the donkey talks to him and says, Why are you striking me? Imagine being that guy. But that's what he did. He uses unusual means to accomplish his goals. First Kings 17, 2-7 says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook, Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Kareth, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and fish in the morning and bread and fish in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now, I don't know about you, but if God came to me and he said, go to this brook, ravens are going to feed you. I'd be like, God, has this ever in the history of the world happened before? Have you known ravens to feed humans? But see, the God that he was talking to was the God that controlled it all. And so it says that he brought him meat. They brought him meat, which is interesting because the ravens are bringing him meat. But anyway, uh, they brought him meat morning and evening. And I wonder if some days, maybe, 
long about lunchtime. He's like, I, I hope they get here this evening. I hope they show up. But every day they did because God said it would happen. Also, I might have had, tried to have a conference with God. Men like God, are you sure that you want me to do what you just told me to do? We've seen plenty of biblical characters do it. Jonah did it. Uh, Jonah said, I'm not going to Tarshish. Moses said, I'm not going to the children of Israel. And yet God always accomplishes his goal. But it says that he went and did according to the word of the Lord. You want God to bless you? Do according to the word of the Lord. You want God to bless you? When your teachers give you a homework assignment, do the assignment they give you. I'm not talking about that everything's going to go uh, masterfully according to your plan because God is always changing the plan. But I, I will tell you that it's an adventure that you won't regret. So he's doing pretty good. He's getting bread. He's getting bread and fit flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he's drinking, drinking from the brook. And then all of a sudden, it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So then he's like, Whoa! You told me to be here by the brook so that I could be sustained by the very things that you sent to sustain me and now you dry the brook up? It's just a reminder to us that God's provision and God's blessings come God's way and to be thankful for them when they do come. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man can do unto me. Can you boldly say today that the Lord is your helper? He wants you to be able to say that, but you can only say that if you've trusted in his provision. And his first and primary provision to you is his blood on the cross of Calvary so that you can be declared righteous. Not because of the works that you have done, but because of his righteousness, which he imputes upon you if you trust him for salvation. That is the ultimate thing. If you learn nothing else in your 12 years or, or more here at the Potter's House, I hope you realize that God is real and that he wants a personal relationship with each and every one of you. And if you have any questions about that, I would love to tell you about it. Jesus is like my favorite subject. So, the brook's dried up. What, what's going to happen? What's God going to do? Now he's probably going to start the rain and everything is going to be hunky-dory. Or he's going to send Elijah to some rich person to, that has unlimited resources to help him out. That's what I would do. And yet that's not what we see in the last part of this section of Scripture. We see in 1 Kings 17, 8-16, And when the word of the Lord came unto him and said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, 
And dwell there, behold, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain him. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and he came to the gate of the city, and behold, the widow woman was there gathering stick, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake. But an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Can we just stop here and say how crazy it is that God sends Elijah, Elijah, Elijah to this person who has nothing? He's, she says, I'm going to prepare my last meal for me and my son, and then we're going to die. But look what Elijah says unto her. He says, fear not, and go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after that, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day the Lord sendeth rain on the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he in her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, nor did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now imagine, if you will, that that woman had the logical response and said, I am not going to give you that food. All I have left is that food. I'm not going to give it to you. It's quite possible, if she said that, that she would have died. Because God's provision didn't come until she did what God said to do. She gave of the last of what she had and God multiplied it and gave her food until the rain came on the earth. I think also of the blind man who Jesus put mud on his eyes and said, go wash and receive your sight. And he went and washed and came back seeing. Imagine if he left the mud on his eyes. He would still be blind. A lot of times God tells us to do something and we don't do it and then we want him to tell us to do something else. And he's like, well, did you do the last thing I asked you to do? Did you give of your bread? Of your oil? Did you give of your time to that friend that's struggling in a subject that you excel at? Were you a shoulder to cry on? Were you a peacemaker? in the halls of your school. Those are the kind of things that God wants from us. And I just want to point out a couple of things here. First of all, he said, make me this cake first. She very easily could have said no because it was all she had. But she did according to the saying of Elijah. And he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of mill wasted not, nor did the cruise of oil fail. Can you imagine going to that uh, barrel of flour or that bottle of oil every day expecting it to be empty and then it just continues to be just enough for that day? I'm sure it wasn't like this big full 
canister or full bottle every day, but it was enough for that day. Think about the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness, and God says, you're going to have manna. Pick it up every day, but on the sixth day, pick it up twice, so that on the seventh day you can rest. And it says, when they picked up the manna for the seventh, for extra days, on other than the seventh day, it stank. It spoiled because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. My friends, I care about each and every one of you. God hasn't seen fit to give me children yet. So I think of each of you as my children. And if there are times when I'm rough on you, or when I, when I call you to a higher level of working than you are doing right now, it's because I want to call out greatness in you. Because I see the potential of the next generation in this room. My prayer is that we would all be like Elijah, and I'm praying for myself too, that we would trust in God's provision. And you may say, well, I don't have much. I didn't have much either. I finally said at 14, after a year of great bitterness toward God, Lord, take what I have. It's not much, but take what I have. And I have watched him do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I could ever ask or think, according to the hope that rests within me, because I was willing to say that. So, don't say you don't have much. You might only have what amounts to a cruise of oil and a half a barrel of flour. But God can do great things through it. Also, you want to know how to be the hands and feet of Jesus? I like what Mr. Clark says when he starts our days. He says, the greatest among us will be a servant. So go be great today. Jesus said this, For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, Lord, when saw we thee hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as you have done it unto the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. If you do kindness to your classmates, I'm not just talking about the ones that you know well, but the ones that maybe often sit alone in a corner table. God is honored. And I can't guarantee you that you'll have an abundance of supply. I can't guarantee you that you'll be rich beyond your wildest dreams, that you'll never have a care in the world. But I can guarantee you the truth of the scripture that says, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. He cares for you more than anyone else here. And the very capacity 
that we as a staff have to care for you comes from the care of our Father in heaven. We fail, but God doesn't. We are imperfect, but Jesus lived a life like ours, yet without sin. So the question before us is, will we trust what he says or will we trust what others say? See, there are still others on the periphery of my life that would say, you can't do that. You can't accomplish that. I've fought my whole life to find employment where I was respected. I worked really hard to get out of school and so part of me is terrified to go back to school. But I know that every fight is an opportunity for God's power to work in me. And I can say with certainty Not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Ooh, lean weary one upon his breast. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you for stories like this uh, of Elijah, Elijah where you made him do crazy things. And yet you were there the whole time. We think of the words that you said before you ascended when you said, Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord, I pray that if these kids don't feel you with them, that they would take care of that today, that they would trust you with their future. In Jesus' name, amen.